This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. I'm your host, Ryan Jury. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Welcome to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. This weekend, we recorded a special episode in relation to current events around COVID-19. We're going to explore how habits, our habits, can diminish our ability to combat COVID-19 in the healthcare setting. We interview Melissa Stratman and explore some strategies around communication, scheduling, decision-making, and coaching. We hope you enjoy, and please be safe out there. I do have actually um, a coronavirus joke, if it's okay. not totally inappropriate. We'll see. Which is, so with all this like social isolation, the mm-hmm. next time we're all probably going to be able to get together, the next holiday is probably going to be Cinco de Mayo. And wouldn't it figure? Sponsored by Corona. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's uh, it. That's, that's all I well got. <laughs> that was a good joke. So now there's, um, so now there's, uh, this podcast was intended to produce content that was meaningful for health centers and to help them, um, do practice transformation and improve patient care. And, uh, given the current coronavirus situation, it feels like, um, there's a thousand different ways you could go and how do we be successful and what do we do today? And what's the first step? So I thought maybe in this episode, we'd have the opportunity to pick your brain and say, if you only had a couple things to say, what are some of the areas of priority or focus that uh, health centers could use or what tools could they put in place to start moving forward to prepare? Sure, sure. No, I think it's um, it's completely relevant right now to make sure everybody's doing their absolute best and that their tools are as sharpened as they can be because um, we need as much access and as much ingenuity and as innovation as like humanly possible right now. Um, there's a couple areas, Ryan, that I think stand out and they have to do with, you know, all of this is about habits, um, and about changing people's habits. But I think there's a few areas. One is thinking about and rethinking being innovative in a new way about our communication, Okay. rethinking the schedule and the patient schedule and who's coming in and who's not rethinking data and what data is relevant right now. Mm -hmm. And then rethinking coaching. And yeah. how you um, get people to make changes that stick. So Those hab- are the kind of key areas, I think. Uh, so habits, I guess, is would you want to talk a little bit more about habits? So why do, why do you say that it's about habits? I mean, habits is the umbrella under which all this stuff lives. I mean, think about everything that we've been doing since um, since Thursday or Friday of last mm-hmm. week. So habits of not swinging by the grocery store to grab Mm. three things on your way home from work habits of not shaking hands. I was at the Ted med conference earlier this month and Mm. they announced and asked everybody, please don't touch each other, please fist bump, elbow punch, whatever, not punch, (laughs) I guess, elbow pat, whatever you call that elbow poke. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Instead of like touching people, but I can't tell you how many times people would catch themselves like mid handshake and be like, ah, we shouldn't be doing this Um, habits. It's just a habit. And so all these things that um, are coming to light as part of the COVID-19, I think we also just have to rethink our habits. It's all just all of this change is just about retooling what we do every day. 
So when you think about changing habits and, you know, in terms of practice transformation habits are things that we do or get ourselves into a routine. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I walk around in a clinic and every time I see a, a, a hand sanitizer station, I have to do it because I just a habit from being a nurse. Um, so some habits are great. So how can we do more of the good habits and then how do we counteract the change chaos of trying to improve maybe those not so good habits? That's a great question. And I think the areas to come down to mostly communication and then coaching Okay. in terms of changing habits. So it's making sure everybody knows and understands what's expected of them and then setting that example by doing it. I mean, it's one thing to, it's, it's great to see. I mean, I saw um, there was a clip on the news of like Prince Harry and he met somebody and he gave him like an elbow and I thought, well, that is like the perfect example of what mm. everybody's supposed to be doing and what right. everyone should be doing. So that's, you know, it's just, it's just setting up, communicating. This is the expectation, demonstrating it and asking other people to do it too. So every, you know, regardless of whatever happens, it feels like every after action report or everything, there's always this discussion of communication breaking down and how, it wasn't clear or the terminology or not frequent or wrong groups. So when you think about doing communication, um, like in a rapid redesign or others, what are some tools that you guys use to maybe communicate internally? Yeah, there's a few different things that we use every day that I think would be really helpful for anybody thinking about needing to ramp up their communication, which is everyone in the world, because that's a weakness for all of us. Right. Um, and there's a couple different areas. One is, you know, making sure um, that people know what's in it for them and making sure communication is connected to the person. Okay. So why is this important for you? Why do we need to do this? I can imagine, Ryan, a future world where we're going to have to keep better track of personal protective equipment. Yeah, because people that I've talked to have been saying that they're seeing stuff disappear hmm. and, you know, people are, people want to protect their own families and, you know, okay. and so I can see, I can imagine a world, I hate that we're going to get to that place, but I can imagine a world where we're going to have to keep better control of that. And then communicating that with people, yeah. it's not that you can't have a mask. It's just that we don't want five of them walking home in someone's bag, you know, we right. we can't afford that. So the why, so you kind of said just focusing on the why and what's in it for them. So being clear about, is it speaking about a general why or the why for that group or person? The why for that group is always most relevant. Um, you know, it, it'd be great if we all could just get behind, if we could all get behind the right cause, mm -hmm. I suppose that most people wouldn't be going out right now because the why is we don't want to expose older or vulnerable people in our population. Right. But our habits are such that even though we have that why in our head, we're not all behaving it Yeah. and following it. If we, if we, you know, I mean, I drove past the movie theaters today and there was plenty of cars in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So at least in our town, it's still open to people are still using it, which I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but that's a place where the why hasn't connected to behavior. Right. Okay. So connecting why to behavior is helpful in communication so that people receive it, I guess, or at least are interested in, in hearing what, what message follows. So if I cover the why, then what would be kind of the next bullet so point? There's a couple other areas of communication. The second one is we have to really make sure that people are feeling supported, okay. especially in times like this. Um, I don't know of a single provider, and I've talked to a number of them this weekend, that doesn't feel totally overloaded. Mm. 
um, overloaded by patient needs, overloaded by the fact that the recommendations are changing like seemingly constantly. Almost daily, and try- yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine, I can't imagine being in a private practice right now hmm. and trying to see patients and keep track of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, the recommendations are changing and, you know, sometimes they're changing, you know, more than quicker than during the day. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, do we have tests? Do we not have tests? Do we have a testing center in our state? Do we not? What's right. our count? You know, what's the situation? And so, you know, making sure that people feel that, um, support and that sense of community and that they're part of this thing and just reminding them of that. Okay. Um, the communication can't come from a place of here's what you need to do next. Bang, 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 bang. It has to come from a little bit of an empathy and an understanding that hmm. I get you're overloaded or I get that you personally are in a high risk group hmm. Yeah, and that you are challenged making a decision to come into work today. To see hmm. patients. Um, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. So what what does something like that sound like? It seems very kind of cerebral there, this idea of if you supported communication, what would something sound like? Well, I mean, I think you just have I mean, to just acknowledge. Yeah. So it, just, this is it's an unknown. This is a totally unprecedented experience. We don't know what this is like. I get that we're all trying to do our best to support particularly providers in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, Providers and nursing staff, I think, are the ones that are probably taking the most, you know, beats to their Mm -hmm. to their time and their their emotional status right now. And so I think just acknowledging that and taking a moment and probably a safe distance (laughs) to have that conversation. Exactly. And I think is really important. So just more so acknowledging that there is chaos and there's unknown and uncertainty and that we're in it together. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. You can't take it away. Right. That's the job everyone signed up for. And this is, that's the cause. Hmm. Um, But just acknowledging that I understand you coming to work when you're high risk is, you know, extra hard for you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. (laughs) This makes the world a difference to people. Or I understand that you're worried because you're going to go home and you have someone who's a vulnerable population member in your own household. Hmm. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So we start with a why we support them and acknowledge using empathy and understanding what you had mentioned that there were three things in terms of communication. What would you say is the third? The third one is communicating clearly. (laughs) And I know in these times when there's a lot of information flying out, it's so tempting, especially from an operation standpoint or a quality standpoint to get new information and be like, okay, fastest way to get this out is to shoot an email to everybody. Mm. (laughs) Um, And now more than ever, yes, some people read that email. I'm not saying you shouldn't send it out because there's going to be a couple people or a few people, but realistically now more than ever, everyone's buried in work around seeing patients and following Mm -hmm. up on things. This isn't the time to say, well, I sent you an email this morning. How come you (laughs) didn't follow that? Um, So that's where the Coleman traveling roadshow is so relevant. It's getting out there on the floor and saying, Hey, we sent you this email. You can read more about it, but here's the quick and dirty. So here's the bullet points, face-to-face communication. Exactly. Face-to-face at a safe distance. As of 8 a.m. this morning, this is the story, da-da-da-da-da. Here's what we're doing now. Here's the testing. There's brochures on where it is. They're at the front desk. You know, anything you can do, but it really has to be going around and having direct conversations. And that's where, 
you just take around some sort of a visual, a flip chart paper, anything to show people and then keep track of who you talk to so that you really do get to everybody because inevitably an error is going to come up with the people you didn't get to. Hmm. Okay. So, so communicating internally is important, <clears throat> making sure that the staff kind of understand their why and there's clear communication in terms of empathy. Um, how, how do you maybe like, is that enough? You know, I don't think it is actually. I don't know. I'm assuming that you're like me because um, I think we're all in this boat together. I have gotten since the middle of the week last week, I've gotten probably at least 15 emails a day, maybe 20 hmm. from restaurants who I'm apparently on their email list, <laughs> uh, airlines, hotels, like you name it. I'm getting these emails, my chiropractor, you name it. I'm getting all these emails that things mm. saying, you know, and they're all like, Hey, just an update from us on this coronavirus. So, you know, here's um, the airline telling me, here's what we're doing. We're going to start, you know, cleaning the cabins more than like, you know, once a month or something. Um, you know, <laughs> we're going to start wiping things down or paying attention or we're clearing up the kiosks and, you right. know, we're committed to your safety. And, you know, I've gotten a gazillion of these, you know, um, restaurants, we're going to clean the tables extra well. It's like, well, I've watched you guys clean the table numerous times. It's like <laughs> four passes with a, a questionable rag over the table, you know, so well, extra you know, convince well now. me more. Yeah, exactly. extra well now just means it actually will be clean, right? So <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it'll level up the whole system. But, you know, I even got an email from Macy's, the department store that's, you know, um, you know, on the fringe right now, um, economically, but you know, everybody's like trying to send these things out. I even got one from our Senator. I'm not even a big wild fan of, um, one of the Colorado senators, Cory Gardner, but he sent out, I, there's a lot of his policies that I don't support. However, he sent out a pretty good email saying, here's what we're doing in our state. If you have X, Y, and Z symptoms, here's where you should go. Here's what you should do, et cetera. And who I didn't, get an email from is my PCP. Oh, I didn't get an email from my doctor's office. The only person that should be most concerned about me <laughs> should not showing up or not showing up. Right. Totally. But I didn't get an email saying, Hey, we're concerned about your health and safety. Here's what we're doing. We don't want you to come in in these cases. We do mm -hmm. want you to come in in these cases. We're setting this up. Please call this number. Here's when we're available. If you have an issue after hours, do this or that. That's the communication I should have gotten. Hmm. Um, and I don't, I think it's just habits hmm. that we tend to, and you know, somebody somewhere is going to say, well, it would be a HIPAA violation. Um, but it's not just to send somebody an email and say, hey, you don't have to say, hey, you're, you know, you're, our, we're your PCP and we've been treating you for X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. things. All you have to say is, you know, that here's what we want you to do. Mm. And yeah. we don't want you to be afraid to go in and seek care in other cases. Yeah. And here's where you could go safely. And here's what you should do. And here's when you should call us. And here's the number. And here's the times The every health center, every, every, Every practice across the country should be sending out that email this week. Yeah. It's true. crazy. It's not out. It's true. I, I have several emails from others, but I don't know that I got one from my PCP either. So, so you had talked about habits, right? So habits in terms of communicating, uh, 
one of our core habits is let's just send an email, right? Everything's in this day and age an email. It's like a text message. So when we communicate, reevaluating and making sure that our messaging carries a why and what's in it for the, the listener, make sure that they feel supported and understood. And then kind of lastly, making sure that our communication is concise and kind of just clear. Um, th- those habits are hard to break, right? Those habits of just like, oh, default email or default, here's the 60 page discourse on everything that's going on. Um, right. how, do you have any like help for breaking habits? Well, I mean, again, the thing I think it comes down to is what's in it for you. Okay. If you don't do these things, it's not going to be successful. Mm, okay. And I get that you're busy, but nothing is more important than making sure that your staff feel taken care of and that people are safe and that they know what's expected. Yeah. Almost the need for innovation, right? This There's a need now to improve communication more than ever because it's, it's a safety thing or it's a, the ability to help or have impact is based on this need for innovation. Absolutely. It's that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So crazy ideas in terms of the traveling road show is to go out and, you know, have these face-to-face or virtual phone calls, whatever, but hearing people and talking, um, over communicating isn't bad. Uh, say we're good. We got communication check. What, what would you say is the next kind of thing that could help me move forward in thinking about how I could respond or how the organization could respond to the coronavirus? Well, I think, you know, I think the bookend to that is around coaching and coaching this stuff. But I think in the middle, there's really two different areas. And one is data-driven decision-making. And the other one is looking through the schedule in a different way. I think, you know, um, I, I remember the creation myth article that Malcolm Gladwell wrote for the New Yorker a number of years ago. And the phrase that he used was threat and constraint. Hmm. The threat and constraint move us into a more innovative place. Okay. And I certainly feel like this would qualify as threat and constraint right now. <laughs> so so talk it a little should bit about, move us. So can you just briefly give me like a cliff note about this idea of th- threat and constraint? Sure, sure. So he talked about a couple of different areas and um, where innovation had happened. And mm-hmm. what he said is that, you know, oftentimes we, I won't even do it justice if I try to give it essentially that, the the concepts of having a threat to us and to what needs to happen and mm-hmm. feeling like we're really constrained are the things that push us to be our most creative and innovative selves okay. and help us to come up with the best solutions. So it's the fuel so, for, for innovation. If you let it be. Okay. I mean, you can always put your head in the sand and say, I feel threatened and I feel too constrained. Um, but if you let it be, that's the gig. Yeah. I've thought about yeah. honestly, just hoping to wake up in a couple months and being like, Oh, what did I miss? Groundhog's day. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah, groundhog day is passed. <laughs> so, so now is the time ever, right? I think there's discussions of telehealth and billing and cutting quote unquote red tape. And so now all of a sudden there's these huge pushes and energy to be innovative. How could I be innovative with the schedule? 
Well, that's one of the areas. I mean, if you um, heard the president's um, delivery on Friday, that you know, hopefully the federal government will lift some of the constraints that we feel like we have around not being able to do telehealth mm-hmm. and being able to do it more. So this is, I think, the opportunity to, um, you know, as much as we can, like ask forgiveness instead of permission and try mm-hmm. some of these things. Okay. So if you've got, you know, I'm thinking about. Um, one a physician that I talked to this weekend who said, you know, I've got hospital follow-ups and hospital follow-ups on my patients who are, you know, in their eighties and nineties and seventies, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring them in. Okay. I'm going to look at what they were in the hospital for. I'm going to call them and talk to them and then be really judicious about if anybody needs to come in. Hmm. Not that we don't want to, but trade-offs are huge hmm. right now, especially for that segment of the population. And so obviously every provider needs to make a decision based upon their exact patient. And I'm not a physician. I'm in no way able to give medical advice about what hospital follow-ups you should see or not. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to think what that provider was telling me is she was thinking innovatively. Yeah. And saying, I know the habit is face to face, right? The habit is everybody's got to come in. I got to see him. I got to, you know, the habit is face to face. What would that look like if you didn't have to? If you just even challenged it. Exactly. So, you know, um, in the DPI trainings, we always teach people WINK, the acronym WINK, W-N-K. Will somebody want the appointment? Do they need the appointment? And will they keep the appointment? Gotcha. And when you scrub the schedule, you ask yourself those questions. And in a typical world, want, need, and keep, you can pretty much predict the answers for. Gotcha. I think in this world that we're living in right now, I think we have to really rethink that. Gotcha. Does someone really want their well child check this month? Mm-hmm. Or in a face-to-face version, right? Like is there in the discussion of a geriatric patient, you know, just calling and checking in on them and saying, Hey, I'm checking in on you. This is, you know, we may not cover everything, but I just want to see how you're doing. What do they want? Maybe reassurance that the new pills they got are working okay, but they really don't need the whole other visit. Exactly. Or maybe, you know, it's hard to know that, but the the first do no harm, you know, mm-hmm. like, do they really need to come in? Okay. And so I think we really have to ask the question of, are they going to keep the appointment? Do they really want it? And do they need it? And making decisions based upon those things. I feel like this is really, this has the potential to push us to be our most innovative self mm-hmm. and to rethink the things in healthcare we've been wanting to rethink for forever. I see this as um, you know, it's the Edison quote that like, you know, opportunity is um, missed by many people because mm-hmm. it's dressed in overalls and, you know, <laughs> it's disguises work. So I think this is a real opportunity. It just is going to force us to rethink all of our habits of who we see. So I don't know a single practice that isn't scrubbing their schedule right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they aren't, they should be. And, you should and- be looking at everybody that's coming in and say, do we want this person in our doors? And so the questions I can ask myself is, do, do they want it? Do I want it? Do they need it? And will they keep it? Right. And exactly. And, and prioritizing access for certain groups or. Exactly. And then, you know, then that opens up all kinds of doors to, do we put a tent in the parking lot? Do we mm-hmm. have a, you know, a separate entrance for people who are, you know, have any respiratory complaint? Do we call anybody that we're not positive about what they're coming in for? Do mm-hmm. we do, you know, the robust confirmation calls? Do we ask a series of questions to screen? Gotcha. You know, have you been out of the country? Have you, which was a relevant question last week. It's becoming a little less so now. Yeah, not um, so relevant now. Right, right. You know, so all of those kinds of things would could really change the way we think about who we bring in and why. So 
to me, that's one of the key areas right now we have to look at. Okay. How, so you said data, uh, data driven decision-making. Why, why did that make the short list for you, Mel? Well, because I've heard from people that, um, and honestly, it's the case with everything is that we tend to look at our data and our numbers and then we have our gut, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I have to say, I have to admit that at the very beginning of all of this, um, back in February, I was like, well, how much worse than the flu is this? Mm, yeah. um, you know, and I was a little skeptical about how big of a deal it is. And um, but the data show that it's a bigger deal. Right. Yeah. And yes, the, you can find a data point to support anything. You know, if you think that, you know, um, eating houseplants from pot up is healthful, you're going to find somebody's report somewhere that says that. Mm-hmm. But what you're looking for is the majority of the data to say mm-hmm. something. And so if the majority of the data is saying that our patients have questions, then we need to figure out how are they going to ask us those questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are they going into the portal more than ever? Are they, everybody's trying to read stuff online. So why aren't we sending out links in that email we send to people and say, hmm. here's three sources we trust okay. about this. Um, and so, you know, and then, you know, do we need to have people on the phone triaging patients? Well, I don't know how many patients are calling with these questions. Yeah. Um, you know, before you just automatically leap to conclusions that we're going to get, you know, a deluge of, of people use the data. Okay. Coaching. So we've got communication, scheduling changes, data-driven decisions, coaching made slot number four, but you called it the bookend. So how is this going to help me change my habits, Mel? Yeah, well, all of these things. So we can um, decide that we're going to scrub the schedule differently. We can decide that we're going to start calling patients and asking them questions. But first, then you have to, if you decide to do that, you have to create the script for it and let mm-hmm. people know. Then you have to communicate and you have to not goof that up. Okay. So that has to be done well. And then once <laughs> you communicate it, you have to make sure people are doing it. Okay. Because you see people, oh, I thought we were only doing that for patients that were coming in for da, 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 da. Or I thought we were only doing that in this case, or I didn't know everybody was doing that. I thought only the people that have the such and such title were doing that, you know? So it's that idea of, it's that idea of coaching people to be successful. I mean, that's one Mm. example. Using masks and personal protective equipment right now absolutely should be coached well yeah. because it's not something, even though we're all about universal precautions, mm-hmm. if we were really all about universal precautions, there wouldn't be any discussion about hand washing and stuff like that. <laughs> so again, there's some gap yeah. between our habits and our, you know, in our reality for some people more than others. So coaching people to be successful, not telling them but being highly motivated to want them to be successful. And that's where you have to do things like communicate to them, show Mm -hmm. them this is what the call is going to be like. Let me, I know I created this script and I worked through this with our quality team. Let me call the first patient and walk through this with them. And you listen, Okay. this is how we're going to have this conversation. And so demonstrating it to them and then saying, okay, now you call the next patient and let me listen to you do this. Okay. And then giving them feedback and feedback is not a dirty word. So saying, okay, well that was good, but 
you know, you're not really in a position to give advice on this. Gotcha. So if people want to talk about it, here's the options that are listed at the bottom of the script. Here's guidance. And or whatever. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And then the last thing is being available for questions. So I could see if you created um, a process around personal protective equipment, you would show people how you put it on, then you would watch them put it on, you would give them feedback, and then you would walk around and watch them as they're wearing it through the day and say, hey, mm. your mask doesn't fit tightly around your nose. Yeah. What are you doing? Um, and giving them specific guidance in that area. Um, same thing for a script. So, you know, watching, pe showing people what to do, having them demonstrate it and do it back to you and watching, giving them really good feedback, and then being super available for questions. So kind of see one, do one, be available for questions, kind of, and available for feedback. Yes, yes. And honestly, I don't really love the see one, do one kind of a teach one. I think it's, I think there's some value to it, but the reality of it is, is just by doing one doesn't cut it. <laughs> Sometimes see, even see just one by minute. seeing one doesn't do it. <laughs> okay. You know, I would absolutely not want someone who's seen one to go ahead and, you know, take out my gallbladder because they saw one, <laughs> you know, um, I'd like to, you know, have somebody else kind of check on that. In terms of coaching, the concept is, you know, you've obviously got to try to create these scripts or opportunities to know what you're teaching communicate it and then showing and coaching through that process and implementation. Yes. Um, okay. Yes. I mean, if you're going to do a drive up testing, show everybody what to do, walk through it and then have one of your staff members get in their car and drive up. Yeah. Okay. What's going to happen? Where's the confusion? Because you all have talked about where the cones are and where people go. You've talked about that, but the people just coming in off the street that are like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going they don't have that advantage. <laughs> so what is going to happen? What's the order of conversation? How does it work? Okay. So lots of skills and opportunities, but I think in terms of, you know, how is I as a health center or how can we respond to COVID really evaluating our habits and trying to implement ways to break those habits is probably our opportunity to be most innovative and successful. Um, I mean, is it possible, right? Because this all seems very overwhelming. There's so much to do. Change is possible, right, Mel? It is, and we're going to come out. We're going to come out on the other side of this, and people are going to done have going going to have done an amazing job. Hmm. So yeah. we're going to come out the other side. Care is going to have been amazing. Hmm. There's always going to be lessons to learn. There's always missteps, but people are going to figure this out. But these are the same concepts that. So many of our clients having gone through DPI have learned these mm -hmm. and these are just kind of reminders yeah. and an opportunity to really uh, step up your game. Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is seriously important. Well, we wish all of you good luck, share, and if you have any ideas or anything that you would love for us to cover or do things, please follow up with us and we'd love, or we could go more in depth. But, um, again, the purpose of this podcast was to be able to produce content that would be helpful for you guys. So please share with others that you feel this would be appropriate. Um, Mel, any last words or first words? No, no. I'll see you on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Alrighty. You guys have a great week.